0: What's this? What's this? It's super colour, What is this? A whole new world. What is this? Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I am Ryan, your host, <clears throat> and today we'll be doing something a little bit different from. What you might be used to. Uh, although, granted, there hasn't been a ton of episodes to really put anybody in a groove, I, I, I would think. But nevertheless, one of the things that I believe I mentioned in my introduction episode is that part of my letterboxed experience is that I go through monthly scavenger hunts. And Generally speaking, these are 30 or 31 movies, or 30 or 31 movie criteria that some member of the site puts forward, and then some number of people decide that they're going to try and watch all of these movies within the span of the month and write a review for each one, link back to the original post. And try to just complete the scavenger hunt, and so you know there are, there are, I've been doing this since I believe April was the first first month I did it, and generally each month has some type of a theme or uh, some type of overarching identity behind it. For example, this month is October. Uh, naturally, a, a vast majority of the uh, tasks are Horror based uh, A film with the word horror in the title um, A Saturn award winner For best horror film An original horror film from the 1980s That has not been remade or rebooted A horror film that made over 66.6 million At the box office worldwide Etc, cetera, etc, cetera, et cetera. Um And I only have three movies left to watch From that list um, or, or maybe just two actually Yes, just two actually, Uh, Dracula uh, from 1931, and uh, Laura, which is from 1944, so I've got about three and a half days left to do that, so I'm, I'm in pretty good shape as far as that's concerned, but today's episode, and what I can, what I hope to be able to do for every month going forward is to kind of break down the upcoming month's scavenger hunt, the tasks that it's presenting and my choices and, you know, whether or not I had a reason for choosing them or how I came to find that movie. And then at the end of the month, I'll kind of revisit the scavenger list pick out what I've really enjoyed from the list, pick out you know give may probably give my top 10 of the 30 or 31 movies and my bottom 10 just to kind of exp- figure out you know how it were how it ranked how it worked out and the biggest problem that i find is that since since i have a movie pass and i go to the theater roughly every day it's really difficult to I, I try to find as many upcoming movies to put in the in the hunt as I possibly can, and it's generally very difficult, especially with a horror. With last month's tasks, I, I didn't have any, and so not only do I have to watch these thirty movies within the span of a month, but that's in addition to the upper twenty number that I'm watching at the theater. So it puts it puts a lot of pressure on me and while I was able to do it this past month, you know, I think this coming month will be a little bit easier because while last month was entirely dictated by one user, this month is actually a community effort. Uh the person who was assigned to run this month's scavenger hunt did not make themselves known did not respond to messaging and so a handful of uh, community people sent in their own tasks and then the uh, and then wooderson who is the user who kind of oversees all the scavenger hunts a little bit uh, at this point he broke down the most popular ones reworked a couple of them to better fit different criteria things like that so there are 30 tasks i'm going to go through each one i don't know how long this is going to take this i am betting this will be the longest episode yet and i imagine most of these episodes will be quite long Uh, so without any further ado let us let us see what next month the month of november holds in store this is scavenger hunt number 20 community picks and task number one is a Netflix original film and if you don't have Netflix you can simply substitute a full movie that you can find on YouTube in its place I do have access to Netflix as it turns out and the problem is that I've seen most of the Netflix original films uh, excepting of course for the majority of stand-up comedy specials which i would prefer not to watch and one of the films that i definitely would have chosen if i so there were two movies that i kind of wanted was choosing between and the first is uh amanda knox i believe it's called which recently came out And yeah, Amanda Knox, it's a documentary about um, a a trial, conviction, and then acquittal for for the titular Amanda Knox, who apparently murdered somebody, or maybe didn't murder somebody, I don't know. And so I wanted to see that, but I ended up going with The Fundamentals of Caring, which also came out this year. Uh, Starring Paul Rudd. Craig Roberts. um, Who you might recognize from Submarine. Which is the only thing I can think that he was in. uh, Selena Gomez. uh, Jennifer L. Bobby Cannavale. So, you know, a decent cast. And it's gotten roughly average reviews from everywhere I've seen. Uh, No one's quite found it outstanding. But the one thing that drew me... More toward the fundamentals of caring than Amanda Knox is quite simply the cast. And while I don't particularly find the cast overwhelmingly fantastic, you know, I like Paul Rudd, I like Craig Roberts, I like Bobby Cannavale, but it has a cast, whereas Amanda Knox does not. And I do imagine I will watch Mm -hmm. Amanda Knox at some point going forward. But I just you know I you know I I just constantly have the weight of my spreadsheet in the back of my head and the more recognizable names attached to a movie the more relevant it is to my spreadsheet and since I want to see every movie it doesn't you know it doesn't really matter what order they're in except that Knocking out the most prevalent ones first makes the spreadsheet that much more detailed sooner. And that's a reason that's probably going to crop up a few times throughout this list, uh, so I won't go into quite as much detail as I do for the other ones. So that's The Fundamentals of Caring as my Netflix original film, task number one. Number two is a film that one director started working on, But another director took their place. So I'm not quite sure uh, exactly how specific that means. Like, I don't know if that meant that one direct that the film actually had to start shooting, or just simply be in production, or be rumored, or if I, I took it as at least being in production. And there are quite a few. I remember I Googled uh, something along the lines of um, you know movies that switch director directors, and I ended up choosing Clint Eastwood's The Outlaw Josie Wales. Uh, this is 1976, directed by Clint Eastwood, um, who he was not originally the director. I don't remember exactly who was supposed to be the director, but Eastwood eventually took over. You know, very early in the process, and you know it's got a very strong rating on Letterboxd with a three point eight out of five. Um, I don't see, I don't recognize any other than any other names in the cast list besides Eastwoods uh, Nobody, nobody, um, you know, and. You know there are westerns are definitely a glaring gap in my resume. You know I have a couple of those that I'm slowly filling in. Westerns are one of them. I've only just this year seen the Good, the Bad, the Ugly, Fistful of Dollars, for a few dollars more. That entire trilogy. So you know I finally dove into those and. Eastwood was very prolific when in the 60s, 70s, uh, in in all these westerns he was in. And so this one this one caught my eye and you know it's it's done really well from what I've what I've seen. You know. You know, it's part of a lot of essential Western lists that I've I've found online. You know, I've heard the character Josie Wales referenced to in multiple songs, you know, people say that this is one of Clint Eastwood's better roles, and that's more than enough for me. I'm I'm more than content to pop this one in when it comes. So that's number two. Uh, number three is a sci-fi film directed by a woman, and there there really aren't that many. I found an IMDb list. Uh, of, of good sci-fi films directed by women so you've got uh, Strange Days by oh jeez why can't I remember her name she's just Cameron's ex-wife Bigelow Catherine Bigelow uh, which I've seen I saw earlier this year I thought I really enjoyed it I thought it was pretty great uh, you've got all the Matrix movies so anything the Wachowski sisters did um. Uh, but what I found and this isn't really it's not a very big sci-fi movie it came out in 2012 and it's directed by Lorene Scafaria who has only directed two movies and this was her first movie apparently uh, maybe she did some short films before this Letterbox isn't exactly the most uh, comprehensive at times so I'm sure there could be other other ones uh, but you know, Lorene Scafaria seeking a friend for the end of the world uh, Steve Carell, Kira Knightley and a whole host of supporting players uh, it's actually a really huge list Jim O'Hare Amy Schumer, Martin Sheen Rob Corddry Derek Luke, Adam Brody wow so oh okay she was a writer on Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist which is her first screenplay credit and then she wrote and directed The Meddler which came out last year with Susan Sarandon and I do remember seeing trailers for this I think 2012, I wasn't quite watching everything I could get my hands on at that point yet, so I I see why this one missed me, it didn't do particularly well critically or financially it kind of middled around that you know, just barely breaking even kind of range but you know, Keira Knightley is one of my favorite actors And I, it's a shame that I, I, you know, I keep, I kept seeing this over and over again. You know, I have it in my watch list. I should have watched it a while ago. And for some reason or another, something kept getting in my way. And so, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. That's my number three. Uh, Number four, a movie watched by Jimmy Carter at the White House. Uh, There are a couple articles that detail exactly all the movies that he watched while he was in the White House he was there for four years he watched, I think they say over 400 movies he screened at the White House in the mid to late 70s so about 100 a year, which for me does not seem like a lot when I'm watching a thousand movies a year if not more but, given the fact that Jimmy Carter was the president of the United States and watched that many movies, that's... that's... that's a... that's that's impressive. I, I can't fault him on that. That's really impressive, you know. I can't imagine have, feeling like I could even spare the time to watch a hundred movies if I were the president. I... you know, I I, I... I think I just feel so overwhelmed all of the time by a sense of, uh, you know, commitment to every single person, not to say, not to say, not to say that I think that Jimmy Carter didn't have that commitment, I'm sure he did, um, but it just, from an outsider looking in to the presidency, it just doesn't feel like they'd ever have enough time, but, you know, we've had Obama for the last eight years now, and he's always doing fun types of things, so, you know, maybe I just maybe it's not as intense as i've built it up to be in my head um anyway uh so the movie i ended up picking and so what i did for this is i was trying to find a movie that i could so so i also so in addition to trying to find movies that I can help fill out my spreadsheet the other aspect of it is i'm looking to fit, fit in movies that are in the top two hundreds from James and Zach, who are the hosts co hosts of the Cinerealist podcast, one of my favorite my my favorite film podcasts that I listen to. And I'm very I'm getting close to having seen every movie on their each of their top two hundreds to finally figure out one who I side with more, generally speaking, and two just to ha- just cuz like i as much as i would love to do that with like someone i know in person i don't have anyone that's even cl- remotely close to as interested in movies as i am so this is the next best thing and so it'll be interesting to see just how everything stacks up when i'm all done so the movie that i found that happens to be on uh, i believe Zach's top 200 is The Black Stallion Uh, from 1977. 79, darn it. 1979. I think that when I was younger, I watched parts of this as a kid. I'm not 100% sure, but I do think, I feel like I did. Uh. Or I may have just kept seeing scenes of it in various montages. At some point, I do. I, gosh, I don't remember the story at all, other than there's a horse, and I think bad things happen to the horse. Or did I get? It's not Zach's top 200. It's James' top 200. I'm sorry for the clarification, but um, yeah, I I. You know, it was the only thing I could find that I hadn't seen from those either of their top two hundreds that was also screened there, and that's what I went with. And you know, he screened four hundred some movies, and I I'm, since most of them are from the seventies, I obviously have not seen many of them, but you know, I intend to see all of them at some point. And I thought this one would be good. It, you know, it's it's recognized as a very strong movie very uh dramatic i believe and and how it's oh you know it's it's like a old yeller kind of thing is how i imagine it and i could be a little off base with that but that's that's the kind of vibe i'm getting from it hitting in so number five Uh, November is Transgender Awareness Month and so for task number 5 we are to watch a movie with either a transgender character or actor Uh, there are not a lot of prominent actors that are transgender that I'm aware of I google searched uh, for them and really couldn't find any there are plenty of movies that feature transgender characters, uh, most of which I've seen. Thinking of Dallas Buyers Club. Um, oh, that one with Stephen Ray that I'm blanking on. And the, oh, there's a trans person in it who... The Crying Game. He was nominated... The, that kid who was nominated for Academy Award. But... Uh, Uh, ultimately um, what I ended up uh, settling on was Kiss of the Spider Woman and this features uh, William Hurt and Raul Julia as uh, cellmates in a South American prison and I believe that I believe Ro Julia is the is transgendered because based on the synopsis it doesn't seem like any of the characters are. But I could be wrong. Oh no, no. I'm sorry. Ro Julia is the Adams family guy. Right? Yeah. So I am totally off base in that um this was on the list though I just want to make sure I'm uh, getting coming across with um, exactly oh William hurt plays the trans character uh, that is fair enough um, yeah and this film was nominated for Academy Awards it's Regarded, You know, it's a movie... That's the name of a movie that I've, you know... Had bouncing around in my head for a, quite a while. And... You know, it... It'll be... It, it's... I enjoy... Uh, films that are kind of... Bottle... Episodes in that regard. You know, I like when... I like movies that take place within... A confined space... It seems that this movie takes majority of it takes place during the in in prison with these two men, and there's only four cast members listed on Letterbox. So that excites me, and I'm hoping because uh, I I watched the Danish Girl last year uh, where Eddie Redmayne played the first I believe it was the first person to undergo uh, gender corrective surgery, I believe, and I was really disappointed, and to the point of like be- feeling insulted by the portrayal that movie had for uh, trans people, and so I was very let down, especially when it got such great acclaim, and I, oh, that was really disappointing for me, but regardless I, I i have high hopes that this will be more respectful that's five down all right number six i love this category i love it a film sweeted in be kind rewind or be kind rewind itself uh, if you haven't seen be kind rewind it is jack black and most deaf who Man, it's been a long time since I see since I've seen that movie. But effectively, they own their own like video store, and they at some point I believe in the plot they stop receiving new movies, or they run out of movies, and so they start remaking movies themselves. So they make like Rush Hour and Driving Miss Daisy, and, like all these ridiculous movies and they both just dress up as in like RoboCop, you know, all these different crazy movies that they remake themselves. And they call these movies Sweeted. And so, I found a list of movies Sweeted, Sweeted movies. Uh, no surprise, I had seen the majority of them. But the one, one of the ones that I didn't and the one that I chose to, for my scavenger hunt is Boys in the Hood. The Lawrence Fishburne, Cuba Gooding Jr., Ice Cube, Morris Chestnut. Angela Bassett, Naya Long Regina King, Joint, <laughs> and you know it's 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 a uh, mm, mm, I don't know it's 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 just it's another in a long line of movies that takes a hard look at the social conditions in, you know, drug dealing and African-American life lives during the 90s or just in various locales in general. Um, And so, you know, I, I won't say that I'm not interested in watching it but I find I feel as though it's going to be pretty depressing it's uh, I critic' it's like I, th- I feel like it's just gonna tell me that life was shit for these people and their only way out was shooting people and dealing drugs and doing drugs and I, I as great a filmmaking as some of those things can be. It's just really depressing to watch. Uh, But, and at the same time, you know, that, that can be very predictable. You know, it's, I don't know exactly how many tropes this film follows. I don't know if it will be exactly as I kind of picture it in my head. Or how it'll be once I'm watching it and like trying to vision what's going to happen next. But uh, it's pretty well reviewed, and I, I am looking forward to seeing it. You know, it's been a while since I've seen anything with Cuba Gooding Jr. in it, let alone anything good with Cuba Gooding Jr. in it. And I like Ice Cube. I think he's a de- I think he's a solid actor. I love him in the twenty first, twenty 22 Jump Street movies. So it it should be enjoyable in that respect as a film. Uh, But I do think it will be quite depressing. Number seven. Here is another. This is is definitely a James Top 200 film. And the task is a film that you would be willing to spend either $50 or 50 euro or 5,600 yen. To see it on the big screen for the first time, uh, and so so all of these scavenger hunts, I try to make sure I haven't seen any of the movies that I pick. That's kind of the idea, uh, unless I think one one month there was a category for uh, a movie you want to rewatch. So like obviously, I rewatched a movie for that, or. Last month, one of the categories did was a Disney princess film, which I've seen all of the original Disney princess films, but I haven't seen most of the direct-to-DVD sequels. So I ended up choosing Cinderella 2, and so I rewatched the first one in preparation for it, which I hadn't seen in many years. So a movie that I would spend $50 to watch on the big screen for the first time, I wanted... I wanted it to be something cinematic that didn't necessarily have to be high quality, although I do think I found something with a modicum of quality for sure. Considering, you know, after all, it is on the top 200 of my dear. I was going to say friend, but I don't know that. I don't know that we're on those terms yet. Uh, but it is a 1997 film directed by Robert Zemeckis. Starring Jodie Foster, Matthew McConaughey, James Woods, John Hurt, Tom Skerritt, William Fichtner, David Morse, Angela Bassett, Rob Lowe, Jenna Malone. That's a cast. It's a big blockbuster. It did not perform that well for audiences back then. Called Contact. Uh, You know, it's a sci-fi drama movie and it's it doesn't it's kind of the diametric opposite of Independence Day, where Independence Day sprawling cast, that all had to do action stuff to solve the day solve the problem, save the day whereas from what I am aware of, from of Contact it is the same thing that does things differently so the only one, so it's all about decisions and beliefs and discussion which I love I don't get me wrong I love discussion I, I love action and so I'm definitely very curious to see this I do imagine that this is going to be a much better film than Independence Day which I find to be very generic and borderline bad not quite bad but borderline bad and you know I think sci-fi movies are some of the best ones to see on the big screen just getting a look at these like the impressive landscapes I imagine there'll be a lot of I imagine there might be some shots out in space uh, you know even a small sci-fi movie like Moon I would love to see on the big screen because I think that that it's just it's so just like the the landscape of the moon where Simon Rockwell is when he's just like out on his rover. you know, I think that that's that would be so so great to see. And so I'm really looking forward to this. Obviously, I will not be seeing it on the big screen, but uh, i can I can always pretend, I suppose. Uh number eight a film from Playlist's top 50 foreign films of the 21st century Uh, so I went to their top 50 foreign films I I'm not sure exactly how many of them I'd seen but I can tell you in a second I've seen 23 of these top 50 of the 21st century foreign films Um, so I've seen City of God Dog Tooth, Holy Motors, Ichumama Tambien, A Separation, Pan's Labyrinth, The Hunt, Old Boy, Blue's the Warmest Color, Mommy, Two Days, One Night, Leviathan, Irreversible, Let the Right One In, Downfall, Monsoon Wedding, Incendies, Wajda, The Lives of Others, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, there's a lot of great movies on this list, and so looking at the ones that I hadn't seen, uh, there were a couple that definitely stuck out to me. Uh, no, with Gael Garcia Bernal. Uh, certified Copy with um, oh, what's her name, uh, Juliette Binoche, who I, I adore. Memories of Murder uh, is one that I've been interested in watching for a while as well. The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Uh, but what I ultimately fell upon a movie that I've seen everywhere on Letterboxd specifically. As one of the highest rated movies on this site. Uh, And in fact, if I look overall, I think it's actually, yeah, it makes the first page of the top movies and ends up being 12, 24, 48, 50, 60, 61st. Uh, You know, there are a handful of movies ahead of it that I haven't seen. But this is In the Mood for Love from 2000, directed by Wong Kar Wai, uh, starring Maggie Chung and Tony Leung Chiu Wai. I don't know that I'm pronouncing those correctly, but it's got a 4.3, which is insane, insane. And the the general plot is that these two married people, married to other people, meet each other, realize that each of their spouses has been cheating with the outside two, and so they kind of connect, and I don't know. I don't know what happens after that. I just... I've seen it all over. I love the poster, it's so minimalist, but I, I think it's so strong. And I've just wanted to watch this for a long time. I'm finally going to sit down and do it. And I, you know, I'm excited for it. This is, this is one of the ones that I'm, I think will be one, be, definitely in the top ten come the end of the month. Uh, I could see it easily. I could see it even breaking into my top 100 of all time you know I haven't had a film break that break into that in quite some time now uh, the last one to do so was m- many months ago in fact uh, and it was um, Harakiri which actually I gave a 100 to and that was back in like March or I think so it's been a long time so really excited to watch In the Mood for Love and I don't know what else I can say about it Uh, let's see we've got number 9 a film starring a cast member from Vikings the TV show Vikings I do not watch Vikings uh, and I don't really know many of the characters by name or many of the actors by name. But, uh, so, the actor that I ended up finding was Gustav Skarsgård. And Skarsgård is a very uh, prevalent name in Hollywood between Stellan, Alexander, uh, who, you know, his his father Stellan his brother Alexander uh, who are both noteworthy actors in their own right I think Stellan is quite a step ahead of his kids but they both still have plenty of time to grow for sure and so the movie that he's in that I I've really wanted to see is Kontiki from 2012 it is based on a true story Uh, of a legendary of the true story I'll read the synopsis here the true story about legendary explorer Thor Heyerdahl Heyerdahl and his epic crossing of the Pacific on a balsa wood raft in 1947 in an effort to prove it was possible for South Americans to settle in Polynesia in pre-Columbian times so this is an adventure movie but it's also got a huge implication on just history itself. And there so there was there was a documentary that came out in nineteen fifty called Kontiki that also that was based on this story as well, that actually won the Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature that year. And this is the fictionalized version of that movie. And you know, it's got a solid 3.4 average rating on Letterboxd. And I'm I'm kind of a I'll confess I don't like deep water. I don't like to be in the ocean. I don't like boats. I don't like going over bridges. I don't like flying over the ocean. I Would be terrified if I were stranded in the middle of the ocean. Even if, even if there were 0% chance that anything was going to come near me or attack me or find me or whatever, except for like human beings, I would be terrified, scared, shitless. I just do not do well in that type of environment, you know. I'm fine in the deep end of a pool if I can see to the bottom. If I can't see the bottom, no thank you. That is not. I'm not about that life. So, but on the other hand, somehow I'm. I'm fascinated by movies that that uh, deal with naval travel. You know, like I, I. What what is the movie called? A maiden trip from a couple of years ago uh, is a documentary about this girl who sailed all the way around the world. She's like 13 years old and she did it all by herself. And I thought that... that, I loved that movie. I thought it was fantastic. The way she filmed herself. uh, You know, all the things she did. Just the courage and skill that it took to achieve something like that. I can't... Couldn't help but admire it. I think that's fantastic. And so I... I view Kontiki as kind of a a similar story in some respects to that you know using much meager means to accomplish a much a a slightly scaled down version of that ex- expedition so it'll be really interesting to see you know because I don't really know the story at all so i think I think it's better to watch this version of it before the documentary maybe I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I will watch the documentary at some point since it's won an Academy Award, but I'm really excited to see this. That brings us to number 10, a film directed by a woman of color. Uh, my first... I immediately went to Ava DuVernay, who you know, directed Selma, which I think is great. She recently came out with a documentary called 13th, which is on Netflix, that I wanted, would have done for my Netflix criteria, but then I also probably would have changed it to fit in this criteria. And I could have gone with another DuVernay film. I didn't want to, uh, particularly because I'd just seen 13th quite recently. And I wanted to kind of expand my horizons a little more. Ooh, ow. Um, so, I went with Eve's Bio, uh, starring Samuel L. Jackson, Megan Good, Lynn Whitfield, uh, and directed by ooh, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, Kasi Lemons, K A S I, Lemons with two M's. Uh, and I've actually I have seen another movie of hers, uh, Black Nativity which I thought was a really bad adaptation of maybe even, I don't even know it might not have even been an adaptation but it's a very by-the-numbers bad movie Eve's Bayou is, I saw it and I'd recognized the poster and it's a much better rated film than Black Nativity and it stars Samuel L. Jackson who is heads and shoulders the most watched actor on my spreadsheet. Uh, this, assuming this is the next movie that I watch that he's in, would be the 60th movie I've seen with Samuel Jackson in it. And I think there's only one person besides him that's reached 50. So it's he's got a huge gap over the rest of the spreadsheet. And the gap just keeps getting wider. Because he's literally in everything. You know. Ever since he became Nick Fury. He's just. And he teamed up with Tarantino. He's just in everything. I think I have him. I think I have two. Maybe three movies of his. In this month's. uh, Scavenger Hunt. So. I really don't know anything about the movie. Other than. I assume it takes place in a bayou. Maybe that means it takes place in Louisiana. Uh, It was made in 1997. It looks older than that. So, I don't know. That one I'm kind of going in blind on. Uh, So, number 11. A film referenced on Mad Men. I admit I don't watch Mad Men. I've only seen the first episode. I thought it was good. I don't have the time to watch it right now. Maybe ever. But I, you know, Googled Mad Men references. And I came up with Planet of the Apes, the original Charlton Heston film. A movie that I've wanted to see for a while. Get your hands off me, you damn dirty ape. Is these paws? Is it hands? Paws? Paws? I mean, they do have hands. Uh... So, I don't know. I mean, I, I've seen the newer Planet of the Apes, the Tim Burton one. I like it. Most people do not like it. I find it perfectly fine. Uh, I haven't seen it in a while, though. So, that I may be looking at it through rose-colored glasses. But, you know, I, I, I've been meaning to revisit, to go back and kind of visit the original ones. Uh, especially given the fact that we have a new, the new sequence of films coming out between Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and uh, whatever the third movie is going to be. So this will be really interesting to see. You know, I've seen images of of this from the old Planet of the Apes movies with like the rubber masks and things like that that look absolutely ridiculous. So we'll see if they can. Become passable in my eyes. Uh, number twelve: a film produced by one country but set in another. This is a really hard criteria task to like search for. Um, so it took this. This might have been the one that took me the longest to find, even like an idea for, let alone an actual serviceable movie to put in this place but what I ultimately found was uh, the movie Imagine Me and You directed and written by Ole Parker it is a German movie that was filmed primarily in London or I think completely in London or at least England, completely in England, primarily in London. Yeah. So it's it's it stars uh, Lena Headey of Game of Thrones, Matthew Good is in it, Celia Imrie, who I quite like, and as well as Anthony Stewart Head makes an appearance for Buffy fans of Giles. And it's about As best as I can tell Two engaged Slash married couples And the wi- the women of the couples Become good friends And then eventually Start to fall for each other In a lesbian relationship And I don't know I, I'm always interested in seeing uh, Non-conventional pairings That uh, and we'll see. We'll see if it's any good. I have no idea. I, I think I like saw the poster once before. Looking, finding it this time, and you know Lena Headey's name caught my eye because I think she's fantastic. Uh, but beyond that, I really couldn't tell you. Thirteen, a movie where a character starts a dance number for no reason. Uh well, there's a a custom list on Letterboxd with movies that are these kinds of movies. And I opened up the list and this was like one of the first ones I saw, and I was like, Well, it's time to watch this. And that is 1989's Spike Lee Joint, Do the Right Thing. And so there's my second Samuel L. Jackson movie. And this is a movie, it's got a 4.2 rating, it's incredibly well rated, incredibly well received, and a lot of people love this movie, and I'm nothing was holding me back from watching it, I just hadn't watched it yet, I don't know, it's, it's just one of those things, you know, there will, even after this next, this coming month, there will still be hundreds of movies that I can bring up and say I haven't seen this and other people will say why not this is one of those movies I'm finally checking it off the list and it's about time I don't know a damn thing about it but apparently there's a dance someone breaks out in a dance scene even though it's not a musical so or or rather just starts a dance number for no reason and that's that sounds great that sounds really fun alright number 14 a movie featuring a MacGuffin now there are thousands of movies that feature a MacGuffin I googled MacGuffins and essentially all the results came back with were uh, top 10 MacGuffins top 10 awful MacGuffins top 10 memorable MacGuffins and I'm like I've seen all these movies like and like every list was the same. Lord of the Rings, One Ring, Indiana Jones, Man. The Maltese Falcon. You know, they just are all the same, same shit. You know, so finally, finally, I found one uh, directed by Robert Aldrich, starring Ralph Meeker, Albert Decker Paul Stewart, and Marion Carr, and Cloris Leachman on top of that uh, the 1955 film Kiss Me Deadly which to be honest I have not heard of before this scavenger hunt uh, so the excuse me, synopsis here on Letterboxd one evening Hammer awful name gives a ride to Christina an attractive hitchhiker on a lonely country road who has escaped from the nearby lunatic asylum thugs waylay them and force his car to crash When Hammer returns to semi-consciousness, he hears Christina being tortured until she dies. Hammer, both for vengeance and in hopes that something big is behind it all, decides to pursue the case. Inevitably, there will be a MacGuffin. Inevitably, wrongs will be righted, I imagine. But this movie's got a really high score. It's got a 4.0 on Letterboxd. Uh, And... You know, it's on the... 1001 Movies You Must See Before You Die it's one of Edgar Wright's thousand favorite movies it's part of the Criterion Collection so you know I envision good things in the future watching this movie you know fingers crossed and at the halfway point we have number 15 a Japanese Yakuza film Uh, there are a lot to choose from you know I haven't seen the majority of them but the one that i sprung for is ichi the killer. uh as sado masochistic yakuza enforcer kakihara searches for his missing boss, he comes across ichi, a repressed and psychotic killer who may be able to inflict levels of pain that kakihara has only dreamed of. That sounds somewhat masochistic, but who knows? Uh, it doesn't start anybody... Any names that I recognize. Uh, but... There's a shirt... That Letterbox sold... That I have... That basically takes... A series of movie titles... And... Connects them by overlapping... Parts of the end of one... And the beginning of the other. So... Being John Malkovich... Transitions from... Being John Malkovichy the killer. And... I wanted to see all the movies on that shirt and this is one of them and so this is why it sprung out to me so quickly Uh, you know it's got a 3.5 which is a solid rating on Letterboxd and I'm looking forward to it it's it definitely sounds very horrific but that doesn't really deter me and if it's well made then i'm totally in so that's itchy the killer my number 15 (sighs) number 16 wow we've been at this for quite some time we are closing in on the hour mark this will definitely be the longest podcast episode yet number 16 a film set in more than one timeline or alternate universe so we're looking at films like looper uh, like coherence, like you uh, know, any really time travel movie, I suppose, fits this bill. Um, uh, what's the, oh, what's the one that everyone always points to best time travel movie? I've seen it. I, it's on the tip of my tongue. Primer, Primer. Uh, you know, you got Primer, Time Crimes was is another good one. Donnie Darko, Twelve Monkeys, uh, you know, Source Code, the Butterfly Effect. I don't think kind of fits that. Anyway, so I ended up choosing, and at first I thought I'd seen this already, but upon discovering I hadn't, could not pick anything else. Another Earth directed by Mike Cahill, starring Britt Marling, and I adore Britt Marling. I think she's incredibly talented. I've seen almost all of her movies, which is why I was surprised that I hadn't yet seen this. And essentially, the plot synopsis is on the night of the discovery of a duplicate Earth in the solar system, an ambitious young student, an accomplished composer, cross paths in a tragic accident. And I think everything that Bryn Marling has attached herself to is interesting in some respect, in some way. It, you know, there's nothing conventional about her performances, about her direction, about her writing, about any of it. Um. It also stars William Mapother, Mapother, Mapother who presumably is the accomplished composer mentioned in this criteria uh, Britt Marling co-wrote the script with director Mike Cahill and I'm I'm really looking forward to it it's you know sci-fi is one of my favorite genres and Britt Marling is one of my favorite actors so this this should be one that if it, even if it doesn't get a incredibly high rating from me is going to be one that I I feel I can't help but enjoy and like that's another earth Uh, number 17 this is another James top 200 film Uh, a movie from a bargain bin so if anybody listens uh, to or watches Screen Junkies movie fights they will occasionally do uh, a bargain bin speed round question where they will effect essentially hold it, show up a picture with two movies or two box sets or something like that, and say which one would you buy in the bargain bin? Generally, these are movies that aren't that good. Uh, so, I found um, I think a, a Walmart link that showed like all their movies that they sell for like under five dollars, and this is a movie that I am. sure I've seen in some capacity, but also 100% sure that I don't really remember it at all, and that's Honey, I Shrunk the Kids the Rick Moranis movie and I'm pretty sure I've also seen Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves but again, like I don't remember them at all and so I don't feel that it's fair to uh count them as having seen. And so Honey I Shrunk the Kids is on James's top two hundred. Or I'm sorry, I misspoke. Zach's Zach's top two hundred. And, you know, I'm excited to revisit it. I do like Rick Moranis a lot. Uh you know, I like him in Little Shop of Horrors, Ghostbusters. And so um this this is just gonna be what I imagine to be just like a fun time. You know, it's going to, you know, it's not like high art or anything like that. I don't have to engross myself in every facet of the cinematography and the score. It's just going to be like a fun Disney Channel movie, you know, something like that. So I'm looking forward to that movie. Number 18, a film, (laughs) a film where at least one person on the poster is alive and at least one person is dead. Now, when I first read this task, I presumed, as I looked at the, uh, at Wooderson, at, at his list, that this meant that the actor was the one that was dead. And so the movie he had picked had Corey Feldman on the cover, which is what made sense. You know, he was the only person on the cover that you could classify as dead. And I had was having terrible luck finding it out, so I pulled up you know a couple of a handful of other scavenger hunt lists that other people had already posted, and somebody had put Swiss Army Man on the poster. Now, the poster a Swiss Army Man under this task. Now the poster for Swiss Army Man shows Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe in the clouds. And this person had interpreted this task as one of the characters was the one that was dead which, after reading some of the comments, was deemed an acceptable uh, interpretation. And since I have not yet seen Swiss Army Man, I've been really looking forward to watching it. That is my number 18, Swiss Army Man. Everything I've heard about this movie is just bonkers. And the fact that it's gotten good reviews just blows my mind. I don't understand it. I cannot comprehend how... This makes any sense whatsoever, and maybe it just doesn't. Maybe maybe that's the joke. Maybe it doesn't make any sense, but I cannot wait to watch it, and I'm sure it's going to be an experience, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, so my number 19, here we go, a pre-2010 film, ...shot on digital. Uh, so... Excuse me. So sorry. Uh, so... There are plenty of these. I think they started shooting on digital in, like... ...the mid to late 90s? I could be wrong. Mm, It was the late 90s, early aughts? I'm not sure. But the first thing I found... ...and saw it also is a movie that also happens to be on a either one of James or Zach's top 200 and that is me and you and everyone we know Uh, directed and starring directed by and starring Miranda July who I don't believe I've seen in other things Uh, this would be the first movie of hers that I first directed movie of hers that I'd seen And the first starring movie of hers that I've seen Uh, but it also features John Hawks and I think John Hawks is a strong actor Uh, he was nominated I think not too long ago for uh, the sessions I want to say but anyway uh, this movie seems to be right up my alley, uh, as it essentially is what this it seems to imply that it's a basically about an ensemble cast where everybody's paths intercept intersect, and they just continue to cause trouble for each other, basically. And the film won the Camera Door at Cannes. I can, which is really impressive, and I think it—it it sounds like a really enjoyable and fun movie. Like I think it's going to be—you know what—I'm going to say it—it's going to be the funniest movie that I watch in November. Yep, I'm standing by that. We'll see if that holds true. I'm going to mark that down. We'll see. We'll see if that holds true. Uh, Number 20. A non-American and non-Japanese animated movie. It can be dubbed in English, though, in parentheses. So, there's a list on Letterboxd of the best animated movies. And I basically just started clicking on posters that didn't look American or Japanese. And I found this little gem from 2009 called A Town Called Panic. The tagline is, they came, they saw, they panicked. And the synopsis is... Animated plastic toys like cowboy, Indian, and horse have problems too. Cowboy and Indians plan to surprise horse with a homemade birthday gift backfires when they destroy his house instead Surreal adventures take over as the trio travel to the center of the earth, trek across frozen tundra, and discover a parallel underwater universe where pointy-headed and dishonest creatures live. With panic, a permanent feature of life in this papier-mâché town, will Horse and his girlfriend ever be alone? There is so much happening in that synopsis that I can't imagine how this makes any sense the poster looks ridiculous it feels like it's going to be an adult swim style movie which to be frank i don't like that style of animation all too much the like kind of puppetry animated style like if they're going to do that i'd prefer they went completely stop motion but uh we'll see i mean it's got good reviews, you know, it's got a 3.7 on Letterboxd, uh, and... I mean, it's in French, I don't recognize any of the names attached to it, which is fine, I didn't really expect to, and it's only 75 minutes long, so... Uh, it sounds like it'll be kind of silly, and that could be fun, who knows. Number 21 is... November twenty-first, 1920, the IRA, Irish Republican Army, shot and killed 14 British soldiers in Dublin, Bloody Sunday. Watch a movie about Bloody Sunday or the IRA. Uh, There are quite a few good ones. Um, You know, I I think I just Googled movies about the IRA, so you've got The Crying Game, you've got 50 Dead Men Walking, uh, you've got... Hunger. Uh, You've got uh, the general, the prayer for the dying, the boxer, Patriot Games, uh, the Devil's Own, in the name of the Father. I haven't seen all of those. I saw the first like four or five that I named, and the one I went with. It's actually a movie I remember starting to watch many years ago and by many, I mean two or three, and had to stop watching because it did not have subtitles, and I could not find the subtitles. Hopefully, I will be more successful this time around. And that movie is Shadow Dancer. Shadow Dancer <clears throat> stars Andrea Riseborough, Clive Owen, Gillian Anderson, Aidan Gillen, Dom Gleason. I think this movie is in English I might be misremembering I swear I started watching this movie And stopped for some reason uh, I don't know I can't remember Domlin uh, Gleason. Anyway uh, So I really like this cast uh, I love Aiden Gillen I love, 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 love Clive Owen and Domhnall Gleeson has really come into his own lately. Unfortunately, the movie doesn't have quite as many good reviews as I thought. Uh, it used to, as it did before when I wanted to watch it originally. It's only got a 3.1. And a lot of the top reviews that I'm looking at are like 2, two and a half, three 3 stars. So I'm going in. With a more tepid expectation level Than I think I did originally And we'll see how that Impacts my experience The synopsis is Set in 1990's Belfast A woman is forced to betray all she believes in For the sake of her son I Don't have any clue What it's going to be about But I love Clive Owen And he's on the poster So he's got a big role I'm excited In that regard one of my favorite Clive Owen roles and movies is Inside Man with also starring Denzel and uh, Jodie Foster uh, that's really what turned me on to him initially so I, I, I'll watch anything with Clive Owen in it. number 22 a film where the title references at least three people Groups count as one unless the number is specified. The examples that they give are The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover, which I have seen. The Magnificent Seven. I have seen all of the versions of it. So this one, again, did not take terribly long to, figure, to find an answer for. And I went with Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. So that's four different names. It's from 1969. Uh, there's a couple there are two couples and they're best friends and they basically they go away on like a self-help self-discovery weekend and one of the couples finds it rewarding the other couple not so much and movie it was nominated for Academy Awards which is always great for me um, when I can do that uh Natalie Wood and Elliot Gould are two of the four people uh, the only two of the four names that I recognize and I, I I really enjoy watching Elliot Gould act in movies that are like 50 years old because I only really know him well as uh, Ross, and, Ross and Monica's dad on Friends and so seeing him when he was really young is just mind-bending. It's really strange. But in in a good way, I think. Uh, so, I'm looking forward to this. And I think it's going to be really interesting. I'm not sure if it's more comedy or drama. I think it's more comedy. With, like, that kind of a title, I feel like it has to be more comedy than drama. So that should be something. Number 23, a film that has a birth scene, human or animal. Uh, did some googling on this to find the most accurate ones, the most silly ones, the worst ones. Seen most of them. Ultimately, uh I settled on a movie that kind of came out of nowhere at the last second called The Business of Being Born, which is actually uh a documentary. And I try to find it try to sneak at least one or two documentaries into my scavenger hunts every month and basically this is a documentary from 2008 that explores the uh, maternity care system and here in America Uh, you know regarding at home and natural childbirths and hospital deliveries and things like that Uh, it's a controversial documentary that has a lot of supporters and a lot of detractors. And I'm pretty interested I, I you know I, I you know I don't shy away from anything like this. you know I, I actually absolutely love this short film called uh, Window Water Baby Moving. I think I have that right. Let me just double check. Yes, I do. Window, Water, Baby, Moving. It's a short film from 1959 uh, that I think is beautiful. It's just a 13-minute short that ultimately has a birth scene in it. And I would. I'm interested in, you know, the more I can understand about myself and other human beings, I think the better off I'll be overall, and so that's why I feel like this is going to be a worthwhile movie to see, so looking forward to that, for sure that is number 23 we're closing in on the end I'm sorry if this is just too long for some people but I, other when I'm listening to podcasts And there are some that go this long and much, much longer than this. I I always hear the host apologize and I'm thinking, no, don't apologize. Just keep going. Keep I don't want it to stop, you know. Uh, And I don't know if they're if people are feeling that way as far as this goes, you know, because it's kind of. I don't know. I don't know if this is an interesting topic. Uh, We'll see. Uh, Anyway, number 24, a film by Ken Loach. I didn't recognize the name when I saw it. I have only seen one film by this director, and that is The Wind That Shakes the Barley. He is apparently a credited director on 58 movies, according to Letterboxd. That's a ton of movies. And, you know, he's been around... a long time, and so, you know, I went through some of the more popular ones that are shown on Letterboxd to try and see, like, what I want to see of his, I was looking for movies that had, that featured prominent names in them, didn't really find any, or, you know, films nominated for awards, but I ultimately ended up with the most popular film based on Letterboxd's ratings, and that is Kess. K-E-S. They beat him, they deprived him, they ridiculed him, they broke his heart, but they couldn't break his spirit. A young English working class boy spends his free time caring for and training his pet falcon. Uh, Yeah. It stars David Bradley, who you might recognize from Game of Thrones or Harry Potter and I don't know, it's I don't really know what to make of it you know, I remember the wind that shakes the barley, which looks to me like the movie that is the least uh, I guess you would say Ken Loachian of the movies that he's made and I, you know, as it's the only movie of his I've seen, I'm not sure I fully grasp, like The level of auteur that he is if he is an auteur it seems like he is given like kind of the types of movies that he's made but I I really don't know and someone commented on my list and said Kes what a movie I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing like is it what a movie or what a movie I, I don't know this is I think this is my biggest question mark of the whole month. Everything else, I think I have a solid starting point on. Cass, I could not tell you up from down. Honestly. So let's move on to one that I think I have a really good uh, pulse on. And that is number 25, a movie mentioned in The Storm's rapping movie titles. So I went to YouTube, I watched this rap that the storm did it's actually quite good he goes through a solid 100 movies I believe 100 100 or so Uh, again I've seen most of them and I think I watched the video 3 times before I finally settled on Michael Bay's The Rock and everything I've heard about The Rock is that it is the best Michael Bay film of all the Michael, Michael Bay films The bar is very low. I am, you know, very low on Armageddon personally, and I haven't seen Pearl Harbor or any of the Bad Boys movies, so this could easily step in as the best Michael Bay film that I've seen. Uh, It's got a very strong cast, to be fair, between Sean Connery, Ed Harris, David Morse, and Nicholas. Cage, John C. McGinley and Michael Bain and you know people are also up and down on Nicolas Cage I really like Nicolas Cage I remember watching Matchstick Man when I was younger and just adoring that movie in all of its aspects I thought his performance was great in it and so it'll be interesting to see how how Nicolas Cage he gets in this one uh, but you know it's a Michael Bay movie there's gonna be explosions but it's 20 years old now so it might be before he really ruined his entire namesake in the Transformers franchise Uh, maybe there's some merit to this movie I don't know John Connery's in it he wouldn't do a bad movie would he Uh, maybe I don't know but I don't know Uh, I keep expecting to be um, won over by Michael Bay and he keeps failing me so this will either simply be par for the course or something fresh. And I think it's going to be the best Michael Bay movie I've ever seen. That's where I'm leaning right now. Not, that, not to say that it's going to be a great movie by any stretch because the bar is so low. But I think it will for sure be the best Michael Bay movie I've seen. Five left. Stick with me. A bad movie based on a book you enjoy. I kind of took some liberties with this. I looked up bad movies based on books. And kind of ignored the I enjoy part of the task criteria. And I ultimately chose The Scarlet Letter. With Gary Oldman and Demi Moore. Also featuring Robert Duvall, Joan Plowright, Robert Prosky. Prosky... And, yeah, it's got a 2.3. Anything less than a 3, you should be very wary of on Letterboxd. Uh, I have read The Scarlet Letter. I don't particularly enjoy it. I think it's fine. Uh, I'm sure there are better adaptations of it than this one. But I do love Gary Oldman. And as, pain, as much as it may pain me to do so, I will give him an awful rating if it's deserved Uh, I imagine that his performance is probably okay in this movie but everything I've read implies that it's really bad so I don't think Demi Moore is quite at all a very good actor so that may be the reason that the film suffers and to the point where Not even the great Gary Oldman can salvage the wreckage. Number 27. A film that takes place primarily in one location. This is my kind of task. Yes, please. Uh, Unfortunately, I've sought out many of these movies. uh, But I did find a movie I'd never heard of before called Sleuth. From 1972, directed by Joseph L. Mankiewicz, it's been. It was nominated for an at least one Academy Award in something, and it stars Lawrence Olivier and Michael Caine. <laughs> uh, as so, this the summary is. Wow, this is pretty long. The mystery stage play by Anthony Schaefer was adapted by the author into this stylish film from director Joseph L. Mankiewicz. Lawrence Laurence Olivier stars as Andrew Wyke, a best-selling author of detective fiction living in a grand 19th century mansion. Andrew is visited by Milo Tyndall, Michael Caine, owner of a hair salon chain, and reveals to his guests that he's aware of Milo's affair with his wife Marguerite. Mar- Marguerite. Rather than being vengeful, however... Andrew professes he's glad to be rid of his troublesome spouse. To avoid paying heavy alimony, Andrew suggests that Milo disguise himself as a clown and steal his wife's expensive jewelry. That way, Marguerite and Milo can obtain financial security while Andrew claims the loss on his insurance and all walk away rich. Andrew's plan is a devious one, however, designed to toy with his wife's lover and a series of deceptions and counter deceptions are launched in which nothing is as it seems this is the movie I'm most excited to watch I love Michael Caine I don't have nearly enough experience with Laurence Olivier as I should and it sounds perfectly fantastic It it makes me think of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels with Michael Caine and Steve Martin is that, am I getting that right? Michael Caine is in that Dirty Rotten Scoundrels so. so. Uh, which is one of my favorite films. And yeah, I got it right. And this feels like a different version of that. And that is really exciting. Uh, I love Deceptions and Counter Deceptions. Please, please, please. All the time. Yes, I cannot wait to watch this. It might be the first one I watch. I cannot say, but it might be number 28 a movie poster featuring a prominent mustache or beard in honor of Movember. Um, there are a lot of lots to choose from uh, from the good to the bad. I went with a movie that I'd actually heard quite a bit about um, over the last year or so and one that only gained a lot more notoriety uh, with the announcement of Spider-Man Homecoming, which is to be directed by John Watts, who also directed a movie from last year called Cop Car, starring Kevin Bacon, who is on the poster prominently with a very striking mustache. Uh, So the movie basically is about two kids who steal kevin bacon's police cruiser and that's the movie um i don't really know what else happens i and i'm sure shenanigans and Tom tomfoolery ensue and who knows what happens at the end i'll find out that's that's cop car tom watts number 29, a film where someone orders pizza or a pizza is delivered a lot of great movies with this Um, Do the Right Thing would also satisfy this category, you've got some Spider-Man in here as well Uh, but I went I've seen Spider-Man but I went with perhaps uh, another well-reviewed movie The House of the Devil from 2009, directed by Ty West it stars some people I don't recognize and then also Greta Gerwig who is like Britt Marling a wonderful talent and a young face in film who I I believe has a huge road ahead of her and so House of the Devil I don't ever remember hearing about it until I found it on here. It's got a pretty solid rating of 3.5 and it's just a horror movie thing. In the 1980s college student Samantha Hughes takes a strange babysitting job that coincides with a full lunar eclipse. She slowly realizes her clients harbor a terrifying secret. Are they or are they not werewolves? No, that would not be a lunar eclipse, would it? That would be a full moon. I believe the answer is they are not werewolves. Uh, never mind. Last movie, number thirty. <laughs> a any movie ever sampled in a Wu Tang Clan song. This one is interesting, uh, because they sample a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton, ton, of Martial arts style movies, and as fascinating as that is, I just I, that's not. I don't I don't want to watch those, not because I'm not interested in them, because currently, if I can watch something that actually has actors I recognize in it, I would prefer to do that, and so the movie that I found was Carlito's Way with, uh, Pacino, yes, Pacino, Sean Penn, uh, John Leguizamo, Louise Guzman, Adrian Posdar, Viggo Mortensen, James Rebhorn, (coughs) John Ortiz, um, Mark Anthony, uh, you know, it's a good, strong cast, strong cast, I don't, really know anything about it. I've heard the movie's name many times. It's directed by Brian De Palma, who I do like, Brian De Palma. Uh, Perhaps, you know, I recently watched Carrie for the first time this past month and loved it. Uh, You know, I'm a big fan of... I liked The First Mission Impossible. I really liked Scarface. I thought The Untouchables was good. And uh, the other two movies I've seen are... Passion, which I think is... Eh, it's okay, but not great. And then there's the Bonfire of the Vanities, which is... Just awful. But... I think... I think this one is... Probably gonna be really good. I have high hopes for it. It's been a while since I've seen Sean Penn... Acting in anything significant. And that will be something... That I will pay close attention to. It might have been, I'm not sure if it was Mystic River or Milk that was the last thing I saw him in, but he's great in both of those. You know, Mystic River, one of my favorite movies. Uh, It's one of those movies that kind of just falls short of my top 100 of all time, but only barely. Uh, So that's Carlitos Way. That's my 30 films that satisfy my scavenger hunt. Whew. Ooh, this is tough to do by myself. You know, my my mouth is quite dry and I didn't want to stop to get a drink prior. One thing I do want to mention as well. So a lot of people that do these scavenger hunts don't finish them. And so some people decided that they would start a mini scavenger hunt starting in November. I have also decided to do that as well as the main scavenger hunt. And I'm not going to go through everything as in-depth as I did in the the first one. I'm just going to run down the movies that this is. I'm not going to bother with the tasks. But you've got The Snow Queen, an animated movie. Bugsy. The Age of Innocence. Moana, which comes out this this year. Hacksaw Ridge, which comes out this year. My Own Private Idaho. Arrival, which comes out this year. Intouchables, Legends of the Fall. Doctor Strange, which comes out next week. Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk this year. Cimarron. Cimarron? Tom Jones. The Tree of Life. Starman and Food Fight. 16 movies on top of the 30, but... Uh, like i like i said like five of these movies come out this month and will be easy to watch because i'm going to go see them in the theater anyway so that's an easy way to knock out a few right there two of them are best picture winners that i haven't seen so that's tom jones and cimarron cimarron and uh you know this month actually particularly this this month or october i mean was really poor, you know, I, generally, you know, I, I think roughly half the movies that I pick on my scavenger hunt are picked with the knowledge that they're going to be probably bad movies, this month, this upcoming month of November, I sense, like, a lot of strong movies in these lists, um, and can, considering I haven't seen any of them yet, that's pretty impressive, it's hard enough to find really great movies I haven't seen, even though I know that there are still hundreds and thousands probably out there. But to find you know, such a condensed number of them, and for them to all fit these criteria, I, I'm really looking forward to this upcoming month. Alright, uh, I really do need to go get a drink. And then go to sleep, because it is late. And I'm going to see Inferno tonight. Uh, There may or may not be a review episode or statistics episode for Inferno. Uh, It'll determine how I feel after I watch it. I have seen um, Da Vinci Code as well as Angels and Demons. Thought they're both terrible. Angels and Demons, I think, is particularly a load of shit. So I don't have any high hopes for Inferno whatsoever. Uh, I'm only seeing it because one, it's free. Two, it's the third movie in a trilogy. So I might as well continue to watch. And uh, three, for the spreadsheet. Uh, so that's interesting and exciting in some fashion. Uh, it apparently just did I think 800k Thursday night previews, which is really bad. Uh, like it's it's also it's awful. Um, which yeah, I'm sorry, sorry, I'm getting a little sidetracked on my fantasy movie league. Uh, but that's that's another. It's for another time. so uh, that's my November scavenger hunt we will rev- come back to it in about a month from now and we'll see just how well it goes and I'll let you guys know just what went well what didn't go well and we'll then look ahead to October Or er, that's not the next month after November, we're looking ahead to December Yes. Uh thank you again. And uh, I hope everyone has a week. So long farewell, I'll be the same night. Come on, baby, why don't we paint the town? And all the jail So long farewell, I'll be in Saint Niger.